Well, hi there. Welcome back. It is maybe the final show of the series. So um, I hope that you now feel like you know a bit about this trauma experience of complex PTSD from both the outside in and the inside out. Things might be making some sense. You might at least feel like you are clearly not so alone in this, considering how some stranger had some surprisingly on-par words to describe the death march known as your life so far. And that's relieving in and of itself, right? But also, now what? Where do we go from here? How do people get out of this? Let's pull everything together from this logical flow for moving your recovery forward. What do you say? Everyone's experience is going to be a lot different, obviously. Not everything I'm going to say is going to work for everyone, and I'm sure you will find new ideas that go ham on your own trauma brain programming. It is all about experimentation, and I'm not only saying that as a retired scientist who kind of frames everything that way to make it seem all right. I'm telling you that because this will take some trial on your part to see what works and doesn't work, but here are the useful steps as I see them and as they kind of make sense with a brain. So there's community, finding out that you aren't suffering alone. Therapy, finding out that you are not unhelpable. Education, finding out you ain't crazy. Nature, finding out that you are not defined by human expectation. Community again, (laughs) finding out that you aren't now recovering alone. Energy tracking, finding out you actually aren't unpredictable. Routines, finding out you aren't helpless. Exploration, finding out you are not stuck. Alone time, finding out you aren't so reliant on others. And making changes, finding out that you are not defined by the past. So let's get started. Number one, community, the first one, you aren't suffering alone. So I think the initial thing that most people seem to need in this whole journey is a good bit of validation. After feeling like no one else can get it for so many years, like you're individually fucked and alone in this rainy asshole parade, most of us need to find out that we've actually been surrounded by other trauma trumpet players the entire time. We all just haven't been talking about it. So this is where I think it's pretty helpful to jump into a community of some sort, even if it's just looking at trauma porn on Reddit and never saying a word, there is some appeal to reading that your struggles are shared struggles. Your brain wants to feel that connection, the mirroring of similar neurons firing at the same time to know that it's not alone out here. And as much as this can be helpful, I have to say it can also be dangerous. You want to be wary of falling into a trauma-identifying hole, as in over-identifying with these new friends and upsets that you're making, or your shared narratives 
and accidentally starting to live out of your trauma, being very angry about it to a point where you can't get past it. Everything you do and say or experience is analyzed through the lens of trauma, making it too big of a part of you. So this can establish or enable something that we call a trauma self, which is when we are aware of the wrongs that have been committed in our lifetimes. We get angry and unable to stop filtering everything through it's not fair lenses. I get it. We get it. Your early life wasn't fair. And that's fair to state. But you don't want to keep empowering those events forever by making them a part of your life today and tomorrow and every day thereafter. There's a stage where anger and lamentation is useful. And then there's a time to see your trauma as the past and to move forward from it with your middle fingers raised high. You know what I'm saying? But community is still very necessary at this early stage. Connection, more specifically, because it convinces you that you aren't the only one, so you aren't on your own in this hellscape anymore. It isn't helpless, and if you're talking to the right people, it confirms that there are definitely ways to help yourself and change your brain. This does not have to be your life forever. Number two, trauma therapy. You are not unhelpable. We already did a whole episode on therapy, but let me touch on it again. I know that it can suck. Practitioners can suck. The limitations of traditional therapies can suck. The cost of the whole ordeal can suck. The whole thing is an obstacle looking forward, but it will be your foundation looking backwards. Therapy with a trauma-specialized practitioner, it is necessary as far as I am concerned. This is where you can learn your grounding techniques. You can be personally guided through the rough times. You can receive help going back in time to reprocess some of the most dangerous events. And you can get validation of all the things in your life that didn't seem quite right being extremely unhealthy on an interpersonal basis, most likely. So you can finally become aware of the past toxicities that no one in your social circle was emotionally intelligent enough to realize at the time or during this current time, if nothing else. I will never forget my therapist telling me, your family was abusive, your workplace is abusive, your boyfriend is abusive, and it all feels normal to you because you've been bullied your whole life and you don't know any differently. And I disagreed with her until, you know, you realize that your own perceptions have been pretty shaped by all of those aforementioned abuses. It's nothing to really pity yourself about, just a pretty eye-opening moment to realize that your perceptions of normal were probably pretty skewed from the start. And life could probably feel a lot less burdensome if you were able to navigate away from those patterns. Get a good trauma therapist. Go the psychiatric route if you need to. If you need financial assistance, check out Open Path. It is a collection of therapists who agree to heftily reduce their sliding scale prices for folks without insurance. 
You pay a one-time $50 fee, and then you negotiate your session price directly with the practitioner. I started using OpenPath years ago when I was absolutely financially destroyed. Nothing new there, nothing different there. (laughs) And that's how I managed to see my trauma therapist for $30 per session when we started together. So there goes any excuse that therapy is too expensive. You can reframe how you see therapy in your head, fucker. It's more of an investment. It's a medical treatment that you have needed for years. And it is something that will change your life forever. Number three, education. You ain't crazy. So... Being among other trauma experiencers and in therapy will definitely help a lot in convincing you that you are not nuts. And that's really helpful. But what was even more helpful for a lot of us has been finding the periodicals and media that solidify our experiences as valid. Obviously, you can always stick around here if you're into what I'm saying. There is a backlog year and a half of weekly trauma education available through t-mfrs.com or directly at the Patreon account at Traumatized Motherfuckers. But this little resource aside, there are at least two books that I think you have to get in your library if you want some insta-relief. I'm only going to say them once, and then you're going to have to Google your way to the answer. These are the trauma Bibles, so don't worry. You will find them easily and find them discussed everywhere. You want to check out The Body Keeps the Score, The Body Keeps the Score, and From Surviving to Thriving, From Surviving to Thriving. Get them both and get yourself amazed, especially those of us with mysterious health problems and pains you will see what has already been published about your lifetime experience. You didn't even know that you had an autobiography. Now, I will say for this task, I recommend going the audiobook version because I think we have much better sensory processing abilities a lot of the time. Also, because I think you really need a companion to getting outside and moving your ass on a regular basis. Plus, connecting the stimulation in your ear with stimulation from your eyeballs and nose in your environment will help everything stick. And moving your feet as you listen will also also help you process the information. So there you go. Get into podcasts and audiobooks that actually help your brain and go for a fucking hike. This actually wasn't going to be a point on the list originally. Um, but fuck it. Number four, nature. You aren't defined by human. You know what really screws us? One, senescence. Your body truly is not meant to sit perfectly still indoors all day. On an evolutionary level, it's just not ever going to function the way it was designed to if you aren't using it the way it was designed to be used. That's pretty fucking obvious. Number two, wrongly believing that this human world we live in every day is the only thing that matters or that it somehow defines us. When you have relational trauma, 
it's probably not the greatest idea to perpetually trigger yourself by being immersed in humans and human society all the time. You will feel like garbage all the time, trying to judge yourself through the ways others are judging you or you're assuming that they are. You're going to be perpetually on edge, worrying about performing at the drop of a hat. You'll be inevitably comparing yourself to others, trying to fit into the I'm normal, please don't exile me mold. And the whole thing really drives up your stress responses, if not your entire survival system, in a way that overtakes your brain and emotional control and then makes it impossible not to feel like shit. So don't do that. Detach from it once in a while. Turn off your motherfucking phone and pay attention to something else, anything else. Get outside the human bubble and see how much more peaceful it is on the other side. Go outside. Start making it a daily activity. Do it first thing in the morning so you don't procrastinate, get too anxious to function, and then shame yourself into stagnancy. And I mean outside. Get into the most naturey, woodsy, secluded place you can and be there. No photos, no Instagram, no texting with your shitty friends or family. Get your email away from your fingertips. Get away from the mental triggers, get some time for yourself, and remember that our human world is a completely fake ecosystem built on oppressing each other with mental violence and threats of insecurity. Trees won't do that. Squirrels won't take advantage of you. You do not need to fear the wrath of moss. Turn off those social fear and failure neural networks and you can start to do work on them. I promise. Scoff now. Procrastinate as much as you want. Thank me later. Number five. Let's dip back into it. Community again. This time to find out you aren't recovering alone. So yeah, here's the thing. You need some community and connection in the beginning to just confirm that you're not totally busted. And then you need community again in the middle to keep yourself on a steady path of progressing forward. So you should know that the trauma recovery process isn't going to be linear, probably because your memories aren't very linear. You won't always be headed in the right direction, you will have times that your brain accidentally opens an unwanted program and you backslide for a bit as you try to process it and put it back into place. And in those times, what you really want is a friend or five who will give you a safe, secure place to regroup, reframe things, and then try again, preferably with their support and care from a safely bounded, non-codependent distance. You want someone to just tell you, yeah, what just happened totally sucks, but you've got this and let's keep trying. Maybe here are some of the things that have worked for me. And then backs right the fuck off, leaves you the autonomous space to do your work, and just remains safely in the wings, available if needed, with respectable boundaries in case of disaster. You won't 
need them for that disaster, but it helps just to know that they are there. As folks who've really never had stable, trusted support in our lives or acceptance or unconditional love, these are some pretty major points in recovery. Your brain really needs to be soothed by the realization of some social safety being an option, even if it's just one person on this planet. Here's the thing. Again, you don't want to be trauma bonded to someone. So this isn't about codependency or being up each other's buttholes in an enabling way that actually mutually disables you. You need healthy community with folks who are not looking to distract or numb themselves via social interactions or to repeat trauma trainings by starting a controlling and emotionally draining pattern with you. And that means you really might not want to try to rely on anyone who's been in your life in the past so far. Remember, we connect with people who have similar brains to us. So if you haven't been in a good place while you've been friends with so-and-so, there's a really good chance that so-and-so also isn't in a healthy place. Who you're with will determine how you see things and what you're capable of. So uh, you might want to find new companions, unfortunately. There's going to be a lot of social growth that has to happen with trauma recovery. Can all of this be really hard to find? Yes. Is it difficult to make new friends? Completely. Do we absolutely hate trusting people? Mm-hmm. So, no pressure, but there is this motherfucking community. Whatever. I talk about it at the end of every show. You don't have to do it. But if you're interested, that's all I'm going to say about it. It is an option if you don't know where else to start. And I honestly do think that lone wolfing it, being completely on your own, is a better option than being surrounded by a bunch of social contacts who are running the same old trauma training programs that you once were during your recovery. Get autonomous, motherfucker. Learn about boundaries. Be ready to let people go if they would rather hold you back. It's tough, but your community really matters on this path. Number six, energy watching. You are not unpredictable. Okay, so this one is admittedly kind of my thing because you know it's really hard to pinpoint your shitty thoughts. You know what's at least a little bit easier to notice? Your shitty emotions and behaviors. Thoughts happen very quickly. Emotions linger for a lot longer. So if you can manage to denumb yourself and reconnect with your body at least a little, you can start to notice a lot of things happening and deduce what they mean about your brain happenings too. And this can help you determine what is and isn't working for you in life via what is happening in your brain and vice versa. But, uh, you know, after years of disassociating, we do have to be trained to start to notice energetic changes. So what I recommend is setting a timer and making note of your energetic state every few hours for a few weeks. Anxiety is high energy. Depression is low energy. 
and all the annoyed slash irritated points will fall somewhere in between. So just do this for a while. Chart it out, graph it out, and then start to identify why the fuck you are so upset at 3 p.m. every day. What just happened beforehand? What were you predicting would happen afterwards? What was the trigger? What was your response? And how necessary is any of this? Does it happen every day? Was the event a non-issue in the end? Did you benefit from getting all riled in any way at all? And what is the buried trigger in your brain? Maybe it's even a thought pathway that you activated your damn self that created this cascade. Watch your inner energy. Watch your outer behaviors and start to understand what really makes you tick. It'll show you what needs to be ironed out of your cognitive patterns, your emotional responses, your behavioral habits, and maybe, ultimately, of your entire life. Number seven, routines. You are not helpless. (laughs) With all of this information that you just gathered in number six, you can create routines. So what makes you feel better? Calmer, more centered, more emotionally up to speed, more mentally in control? What's taking care of your brain, your body? What do you want to prioritize every day? What activities are safe no matter what the circumstances are? What activities are absolutely no-fly zones, even though you routinely engage in them at this particular moment anyways? Give your life a critical examination using your mental and emotional responses as evidence. What's working and what isn't? And then build your routines. Now, we traumatized motherfuckers love routines because they keep us from falling into stagnant, depressed, demotivated times that become major shame marks on our evaluations of self. A lot of us fear the dark times in the past when we couldn't get out of bed or forgot that we really existed for a few months. So we form routines that keep us chugging along on autopilot when we're still a bit shaky on keeping our mental tugboats afloat. Also, it's a good way to start correcting our physical health, which has likely been failing for a few anxious years, you know? Having routines helps to finally integrate some of those behaviors you've been meaning to institute for your own good, but never find the time for. I've got to tell you, a lot of our physical symptoms of trauma just need to be managed daily in order to get that pressure off our plate. So... Plan it out, arrange your life, take control of your time and movement on this planet in a way that works for you and helps serve your greater purpose. You have every right and every ability to lead one of those fancy, well-balanced, self-caring lives, but it is going to take a little time to get into the swing of things. This is new territory for us. Decide what you want to do first and move from there. You are allowed. Arrange the wants around the needs, and then try to optimize your time instead of letting it accidentally slip away each day. That's how lives accidentally slip away. Just make sure that whatever routines you establish, 
yes, give you a sense of control and order in your life, but no, don't become rigid, unquestionable, avoidant laws that you abide by. Do not make a prison out of your routine. Don't get all avoidant, aversive, and refuse to have other experiences. Don't develop a trauma bubble. I hope I already gave an adequate PSA on this one in that past episode. Number eight, exploration. You aren't stuck. Okay, so piggybacking off the last point, as we tend to do, it's important that you challenge yourself by going places and doing new things. Trauma really becomes a trap when we let our brains use past data to predict future events, get all panicky about obviously what a nightmare that makes life, and start to shut down all novel experiences because we disastrophize everything around every turn. We also tend to feel very stuck in our circumstances when we're having contradictory I want to evolve feelings that get backhanded by, but I'm afraid to try because I'm doomed to fail cognitions. So we wind up feeling a lot like caged animals, restless, ornery, and eventually extremely depressed. I call these holding patterns, where half of you says, go, and some responsible part or external situation tells you that you are not allowed to. So instead, you just wind up waiting, waiting for something to happen. For what? We don't know. We're just waiting for a new event to take place that will convince us that we are no longer required to hold ourselves back like we need permission or a savior to come pull us out of our own circumstances that we are creating on a loop every day when we wake up and have the same behaviors as yesterday. Well, you don't. You don't need permission or a savior. So prove that to yourself. Go outside. Go somewhere new. Go on a road trip. Just get out of your normal digs and see how differently your brain will immediately work when it isn't being stimulated by the same sensory triggers on a continuum. And uh, also earn yourself a good bit of self-esteem while you're doing it. Number nine, having alone time. You aren't reliant on others. So uh, jumping in on this piggybacking creature of the last two points comes this one. When you are out exploring your world and expanding your life, like we just discussed, you better do it alone. This is a really important point that most of us will try to worm out of. I know that you are already thinking, "Mm, I think it'd be better if I had someone with me. We love to have companions when we do new things because we don't trust ourselves and we consider us to be inherently lesser than anyone else to some unconscious degree. So we just feel safer if we have someone else by our side. Well, no more. It is a codependent crutch that keeps you underestimating yourself and self-worth and living in unhealthy, possibly trauma-trained patterns. This is going to be especially true if you are a little helper to mom or dad, or later on to your significant others, employers, or best friends. 
You don't need anyone telling you what to do. You need to trust that you can do that yourself. And trust that you'll figure out whatever challenges come your way. Trust that you are allowed to take up space and breathe this air as much as every other thing on this rock. Trust that this is the point of life. Getting out, making decisions, experiencing things, and doing it because you want to, you're allowed to, and you're capable to. Independence, autonomy, is a huge point in trauma recovery. And I say this largely because it'll reconnect you with your self. Remember the energy we talked about that lives in your guts and monitors the whole human show from there? or lives in your prefrontal cortex and keeps you on an autobiographical timeline, well, you're going to empower the fuck out of whichever observing energy you choose to focus on, your continuous self, when you experience novelty in life and act on your own behalf. You don't need a companion by your side. You'll start to realize that you're never alone because you always have your self. It sounds super lame, but just you watch. If you're worried about the looming judgment of everyone, should you dare to do anything you actually want to do? Let me tell you, we all are. (laughs) But at the end of your life, I really don't think you'll care much about what those fools you're so preoccupied with now actually thought. You won't pat yourself on the back for not being judged as much as was assumed possible by so-and-so at the grocery store. You will pat yourself on the back for going out there and actually making the best of this physical experience as you wanted it to always be. And when all else fails, just remember, do what you'd like and they'll like what you do when you do it. And if they don't, that's fine. Fuck them. That's days and days. Listen to them. They will also tell you to go outside and finally start to live. Number 10. Making those big changes. You are not defined by the past. So lastly, from all of this recovery lead up, you're going to want to make big alterations in your life at some point. I'm pretty certain one of the final stages of the CPTSD thing is to shed your old skin and start anew. When you look around and realize exactly how much of your life has been defined by your shitty past, even if it was because of the narratives in your head holding you back or subtle social pressures terrorizing you rather than someone directly controlling or oppressing you, suddenly you'll want to get rid of it all and start again. It's the same thing as when we get sad and cut off all our hair. We need to draw a line between old me and new me, for starters. We also don't want to be continually reminded of bad times, and a lot of that is sewn into your environment that you've been in, this whole struggle. And lastly, We want to feel like there's a purpose or a learned lesson or a reason for what we've been through. So it's common for us to suddenly make big leaps in support of ourselves after reaching a certain point in brain recovery. Maybe 
several times over. And that is when your progress will exponentially increase all of a sudden. When you make a plan, make a decision, and act in your own interest, and then see that everything is actually working out, oh man, that is a change of pace and a change of brain. To see things can be challenging and uncertain and rough, and you can still figure it out and be okay, will blow your mind. And realizing you can do it all independent of the help, support, or even knowledge of your closest companions will prove to you that you've been strong, smart, able-brained, and bodied this whole time. Or at least you are now that you got the answers you needed to just understand your head a little bit better. One change in your life will lead to the next. One day you'll look around and your whole life will be different. You'll probably laugh and cry all at once, a skill I didn't know that I had before. And you'll feel everything just kind of click into place. Your head will never be the same. You'll never appraise yourself the same. And you'll never hold yourself back in fear, dread, and preemptive defeat again. Because it'll finally hit you. You have been able to do this all along. No matter what your brain has always believed. And all you really needed was some butthole to tell you it was possible. And that maybe started with finding some peace in the knowledge that you're just not alone. You're not doomed. You're not individually fucked. You're not the only one figuring this all out, trudging through shame and high wallow. And despite everything you've been through already, you're not a victim. You're not defined by this. You're not helpless. You're not trapped with this brain, body, or life. You've now proven it to the only person that really matters. You and yourself. And on that day, I sincerely hope that you smile, laugh for at least a second, and utter the phrase, motherfucker. Just be sure to then turn around and try to reach a hand back for anyone who hasn't reached the same peak yet. Don't leave anyone in the pits. Let them know they aren't on their own, no matter how fucking isolated, self-destructive, and weird they're being right now. Nothing lasts forever, and we can make change happen on our own. First, for ourselves. And then, maybe for everyone else who needs to hear it. Now, you guys know where I think you can get started on your own recovery. We do this community education and healing thing over at t-mfrs.com, traumatizedmotherfuckers.com, or more directly, just hit up patreon.com slash traumatizedmotherfuckers. Find your safe, stable, boundary-minded support network. Find more information on changing your stupid fucking brain, which will lead to changing your entire motherfucking life. And let's stop this generational slap known as complex trauma, starting with us and continuing through supporting others. The final point of this recovery that I guess I sometimes glaze over, feeling like you have a purpose, that there's a reason, there's a point to why you're here and why you're you. 
This is actually shown to benefit long-term trauma recovery because it empowers our self to take the wheel when our brain doesn't have the energy to do the right thing for us. Forget your routines built on avoidance. Consider how much better you could be spending your time for an ultimate reason, even if it's just being a good example for people in your life who need something else to believe in. It is what I'm doing here, podcasting on my afternoon off from working three jobs and attending a master's program. My life has changed completely several times over since starting trauma recovery. Things definitely might not always be easy. They rarely are. But they're sure as shit better now, even with all the external tumult, knowing that there are reasons why my brain works and doesn't work in the ways that it does, and seeing that there seems to be a lot of good that comes from sharing the success and the struggle. I've learned through a hell of a lot of stumbles and falls that I'll always figure it out, and apparently that can help other people do the same. So let's change the trauma narrative one voice at a time, including yours. You got this, fucker. Hail yourself. Hail Archie. Hail your story so far and all the ways it's still bound to change. And if you haven't been enough of a reason for your own trauma recovery to be a priority, Maybe realizing how many people are waiting to see you rise from our shared dumpster fire of ashes is. Share your story. Become a part of this recovery community. Record your tale and send it to traumatizemotherfuckers at gmail.com. Fuckers with an X instead of a U. Anytime you're brave enough to take the first steps towards freeing yourself. And in the meantime, my name is Jess. I'll talk to you soon. Cheers, y'all.